0: Hello, John Wilson here, host of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Wow, it's been a while, hasn't it? Five years, I think. But this is a new episode. Well, not exactly new. This is the first of several episodes that were recorded before Amazing Spider-Man Classics went the way of the dodo. Hopefully we're still in your subscription feeds. Hopefully we're still in your Facebook pages and you'll see this and you'll download it and you'll say, wow, amazing Spider-Man classics is back. So here's the deal. The show is back. The show is coming back. There will be new episodes being produced. This is the first of three lost episodes from five years ago. Josh Bertoni and Donovan Grant helped me in taking a look at amazing Spider-Man issue 49. After, of course, we read some of your emails. Next couple episodes after this, we'll have a guest on to talk about one of the most important episodes, one of the most important stories, rather, of Spider-Man's career in issues 50 through 52. Then I'm going to do an episode where I clean out the email bag, because I think feedback is important. And then, brand new episodes of amazing Spider-Man classics, with a bit of a change. More about that, at the end of the show. For now, here we go.
1: Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever a spider can, spins a web any size, catches seeds just like guys. Look out, here comes a Spider Man.
0: Hello and welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, in association with Spider-ManCrawlspace.com. My name is John Wilson, and this is episode 37 of the show that takes you through every main title, every guest appearance, and every cameo we can find of The Amazing Spider-Man, from the beginning. Here with me tonight are Donovan Grant. Yo, yo. And Joshua Lappin-Bertoni. Hey, hey, hey. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man 49, the second half of his tussle with the vomiting vulture, or not-so-vomiting, and the final issue before next episode's big special anniversary issue number 50. But can I say, before we get going, just how amazing the listeners are to this show? We are recording this episode um, in September, which is uh, in August, just last month. Proved to be our biggest month ever for the show. But that's after we had almost no production for the rest of the summer. So y'all stayed there, and whenever we came back, y'all were there ready to listen with a vengeance. And that's really awesome.
2: Thanks for, thanks for like not abandoning us at, at the street. We appreciate that. <laughs>
0: I'll admit that I got just a little bit burned out on podcasting um, in the late spring, early summer, just kind of in general. And combine that with the school stress I was under over the summer, this show just wasn't getting done. And neither was Golden Age Superman, the other show that I produce. And, you know, y'all out there, you could have given up on us. You could have taken us off your feed, but you didn't. You stuck with us. And now we are back. We had our. What are they called? Reboot episodes. We have this episode. Um, our format's a bit different if you haven't guessed or noticed. Instead of doing two amazing issues, almost every episode we're going to switch to more of a month by month approach. Most of the time anyway. And it makes things easier for us and for me to get an episode out to you roughly three times a month like I want to do. And hopefully when the stresses of this semester stack up in November and December, I'll still be able to get the show out with its, you know, shorter episode lengths. We have emails we are going to read tonight. So our first email for tonight is from Owen Chules. It is entitled Blind Subscription. He says, Hi, guys. Apologies if this has been addressed, but I thought I'd write while it was still fresh in my mind. I'm catching up on the episodes, which I'm enjoying so much. I'm listening to this show virtually every waking hour, so I'm not up to date yet. While listening to episode 16, I heard John mention a letter referring to a free subscription for a blind guy whose brother reads him the comics. I do remember reading that letter, and I mentioned on the show um, that we hadn't seen what that was in reply to. Well, Owen says this is in reply to a letter printed in Level with Daredevil in Daredevil issue 4. Hopefully you'll now be able to sleep at night. Great work on the show, guys. You've inspired me to start my own pod on the topic of old Hornhead himself. All the best, Owen. And he also oh, wow. includes Yeah. So Owen, if you uh if you have gotten that show going, uh do let us know what the uh what the download information is because we'll be glad to give you some pimpage on the show. And if you have a promo, send it to the uh Amazing Spider-Man Classics at Gmail website. He does attach a scan of the letters page from that issue. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read that just, you know, to be uh
2: that's a level with Daredevil. That's not the very that's not the catchiest of letter titles.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's really not. Uh he says uh the letter writer in Daredevil says, "Dear Stan and Joe, I just finished Daredevil. I think it is the most stupendous magazine there is. He really is the man without fear." His father and he are about the bravest men I've ever heard about. By the way, I'm sort of like Daredevil myself in a way. You see, I am blind, and my brother is writing this for me. Written by Brad Fawn in Metropolis, Illinois. And the uh, reply is, Loved hearing from you, Brad. And from now on, your brother can read each and every ish to you monthly because we're sending you a complimentary gift subscription. Hope you'll continue to enjoy them, pal. And uh, there was also, you know, that that... I think the same person wrote back in and got sent to the Spider-Man letters column, which is what we talked about several, several episodes back.
1: Oh,
2: that's often nice to them.
0: I think it's really, really Stan funny. wrote it. <laughs> I don't think that Stan wrote that one. <laughs> okay. Why don't you, the next Owen Schultz email, The Power of Molten.
3: The Power of Molten. And, let's see. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this mail has nothing to do with the power of Molten, but I love saying it. Okay, I didn't read ahead. I totally thought that he was going to explain to me how the power of Molten made sense. (laughs) I was like, so this is going to be like one of those, like, you know, uh, no offense, Gerard, but like one of those Gerard emails where, like, he clarifies something that we said, like, oh, so the power of Molten's a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) So wait a subvert. Anyway, back to the email. I realize this is now something like my fifth email to you since your last podcast, but from my point of view, I've listened to 30 of your pods, so that's only one mail for every six episodes. <laughs> Ooh, he does math. John, you and him should be friends.
0: You should have written in more, Owen.
3: Anyway, my point is that in episode 29, you discussed assess the fact that the Avengers try to contact Daredevil by transmitting a radio signal. Well, I would agree with you that it is stupid, I can't agree that that is how Daredevil's powers work, as there is some precedent. See this image from Daredevil, issue 10, which is page 8, panel 2. Okay, so we see Matt. He's got radars around his head. He's wearing his glasses. And, okay, what's that? My radar here has picked up a radio message. It's being transmitted from this yacht. (laughs) Organizer of the Frogman, the time has come for our next move. Oh, I remember this story. This was uh, the first appearance of Debbie Harris, uh, the girl who um, I broke you with earlier this summer, Don.
0: <laughs> but the thing is that like, there are radio waves bouncing through the air all around us. Like As we sit here talking, we are being bombarded with multiple radio waves that if we had a radio turned on right next to us, would pick them up and translate them into audio. So he would be able to pick up like everything on the radio, thousands, or, or maybe dozens, maybe thousands is too big, but definitely lots and lots and lots of transmissions. And think about all the things that come across the radio uh, uh, frequencies that aren't actually transmission, just the electromagnetic spectrum. He'd be hearing like massive static all the time. This doesn't make sense to me.
3: It's comics. I never really thought twice about it.
0: No, 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 I, I'm going to say that this is a power that I'm very, very glad they dropped right away as quickly as Xavier's crush on Gene.
3: <sighs> that the you know thing me out. <laughs> you know that came back in the 90s, right?
0: Nope. <laughs> I haven't read those
3: comics
0: yet. I haven't but read like, those comics had, yet, they don't exist.
3: You hadn't, you hadn't heard of this?
0: No, I have, I have, i just choosing not to believe it.
3: <laughs> I love how just to divert for a second i i love how like instead of like when he's like i love her but i can't tell her and he's like not because i'm her teacher not because i'm older than her not because i've known her since she was a little girl but like the reason why he chooses, he's like because i'm in a wheelchair
1: right it's like <laughs>
3: <laughs> like there are so many more inappropriate reasons why, 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 why you not should not be loving this <laughs>
1: her.
0: she is a teenager you are a 30 year old man
3: You've known her since she was a little girl. You, you're practically her father, almost. You've helped raise her. Like ah.
0: Charles, those feelings you're feeling down there, those aren't really love. That's something kind of different.
3: My God. Keep casting those pods. Absolutely loving the show and generally can't wait for the next one. He wrote this in May, so yeah, he, he couldn't wait for the next one much longer. And generally can't wait for the next one. Thanks for giving me something to look forward to. Owen Schules.
2: Amanda Shields writes, subject to clothing optional. Just to inform you, Tyler... Uh Uh-oh. I don't know where this is going. (laughs) Just to to inform you, Tyler will no longer listen to ASM Classics without me there for the clothing optional reason. Though he didn't tell me that it was optional. Fortunately for me, I've caught up on the episodes while I was at work. I'm kidding. Maybe. Signed, Amanda. Okay, Okay,
0: now I I really... (laughs) Go ahead, what you were saying, Don. This is either Tyler's girlfriend or his mom. (laughs) This is Tyler's
3: girlfriend. It's his girlfriend. I've I've heard him mention her before.
0: And I, I, I want to know, Amanda, which one of those points are you kidding about? Like, are you listening to the Clothing Optional Podcast while you're at work? and that's fortunate for you because it's a clothing-optional podcast and you're at work? Or are you kidding about Tyler no longer listening to classics? Or are you kidding about the fact that you're always going to be there when he does listen to it because clothing is optional and he's just that hot? I, I, I'm really curious, man, I want you to write back in and clarify. We have another email from John the Marvel Man, and it is entitled, Response to Episode Number 31. That was the episode that talked about the two-part lizard story from Amazing Spider-Man 46, no, 44 and 45. And he says, Hello, purveyors of perfect podcasting. Thank you for yet another terrific podcast. Lots of info, lots of laughs. And Gwen's saga of did she or didn't she date Flash continues. How Awesome. Your enjoyable conversation has inadvertently solicited the following comments. No solicitations here, John. Move along. Sorry. No, just kidding. Uh, Number one, because I read every mighty Marvel mag, I'm happy to help with your question about Spidey's recent appearance in the new X-Men title. As you suggested on the show, this was a guest appearance team-up arc. Spidey didn't join the X-Men. Briefly, Spidey appeared in the new X-Men title for a four-issue arc, issues seven through ten. Oh, that's... Okay, yeah, that we're was, talking that was when about. when we
2: were like, 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 did he join the X Men? And like, like, Josh was like,
0: sweating as he was trying to find the answer. Yeah, the, I thought he was. I'm sorry, John. I thought you were talking about uh, <laughs> Silver Age X Men. I was like, why do we have this question? Because I know exactly when Spider Man showed up in Silver Age X Men. But no, during that episode, we were talking about the current X Men series that started with number one with a vampire arc a, a year or two back. And Spider-Man was in several issues of that. So we were you know, kind of talking amongst ourselves, did Spider-Man join the X-Men? So now John is going to explain for us. He says, uh, he appeared in the new X-Men title for a four-issue arc, issues seven through ten. A small cadre of X-Men, Emma Frost, Storm, Gambit, and Wolverine, head off to New York City, New York City, to check out reports of a reptilian creature in the sewers. They find a lot of lizard-like humans when they arrive, and they find Spidey already down there. He tells them, but if you want at my little lizard pal, you're gonna to have to go through me. Why would he say that? Anyways, I'm sorry. Spidey explains that the lizard is now sending out brain waves creating human followers who behave like cold blooded lizards, and they seem to be turning physically into lizards too. As usual, Wolvie wants to kill them all, and Spidey wants to save them all. They then learn that the lizard is not directly responsible for the transformations. Instead, the lizard is an unwilling participant, being the captive of Dark Beast, who is an X-Men baddie from the Age of Apocalypse arc years ago. Dark Beast has created a machine to capture the brainwaves of the lizard and transmit them to transform humans into lizard-like critters. Things go from bad to worse when Wolverine, Storm, and Gambit are transformed into lizard-like creatures by the brainwave machine. Of course they are. While Spidey holds off the (laughs) Lizzie X-Men, I agree with Liz. Emma Frost heads off to confront Dark Beast and destroy his machine. She releases the lizard so that he can help her subdue Dark Beast and destroy the brainwave machine. They are successful and everyone reverts to their normal appearance. Because you can just do that in comics. The lizard departs to the deeper catacombs of the sewer. The X-Men and Spidey are too spent to follow. (laughs) With these words directed to Spidey. Come to the deep places if you get tired of living like a monkey. Come find the lizard if you want to die. And John goes on to say, part of me thinks that this lizard centric story belongs in Spidey's own book, but another part of me loves the continuity that persists within the Marvel Universe, which explains why I've been reading every title since 1967 or so. Wow, Marvel Man. I didn't know you were that old school. Or did I know that? Did you say that? Have you told us that before? I don't know. I'm sure you Facebooked him once or twice. Yes. You should find me on Facebook. What do you guys think, he says. Should this arc have been presented in ASM instead of X-Men? The shocking shred ended with Part 4 in July. This arc followed closely behind starting in March of 2011. Given that the Lizard A is a Spidey rogue and B was more brutal than ever, even killing his own son, shouldn't this next installment have been in Amazing Spider-Man? What do you think?
3: I think we needed a break from the Lizard after that. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I, I think – although I will say, though, that if they did do that, it would have been interesting to have a continuous story because at that point, they were like, you know, four-part story, move on, four-part story, move on, five-part story. Like they were very episodic, so I wouldn't have minded it from a storytelling process, but at that point, Shed was such a controversial uh, saga that like that definitely needed a break.
0: Well, by the time you get to March of 2011, we're already well into big time, and Dan Slott's doing his own thing. So, um, it may have been, actually, it may have been a story idea that was developed during the rotating writer schedule that got tabled, uh, you know, just put off until later and then you got picked up in the, I don't know, that's just a random idea. Number two, he says, Amazing Spider-Man, number 45, page 12, panel 3. Perhaps the meaning of this phrase has changed since the mid-1960s, but should Mary Jane really tell Aunt Anna that Peter really turns me on? To paraphrase with today's lingo, she said to her elderly aunt, He's the least little bit nerdy, but he makes me soak my panties. Stan, this is just wrong. Marvel Man, you are my kind of humorist, sir. <laughs> In fairness, I don't <laughs> think people say that
2: these days to like their elders.
0: Well, I think that's his point. I think that like, you know, if we use today's meanings with what she said, then like she's telling her older aunt that, you know, she's getting horny by this guy, which is the weird thing to say to your aunt.
2: <laughs> well, I think, which I actually think we discussed in that episode, like, like, uh, the phrases back then weren't as, weren't as a uh, visually minded as they are now, possibly. I mean, I don't, it, it, it's funny because now turn me on. It's like, it suggests, uh, being amorous or being horny, but I, I really don't think that like, that was like the literal translation back then. No, I don't think it was either. Um,
3: well, uh, that, that year, um, it was a very, very, very big deal when the Beatles, um, at the end of one of their songs, they said, I'd love to turn you on. And that was in 1967. And that was, um, and it wasn't a sexual reference. It was more, like, it, it, it was considered like an intellectual thing, but like also there was a big drug connotation, like oh, turning you all.
0: Okay. So they meant it as a drug thing.
3: Right. But like, but, 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 but there was a few other means like turn me on could also like also meant, uh. I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to explain this, but
0: it was was a more versatile phrase,
3: like like to interest somebody or something.
0: Right, right.
3: You know, like I, it's and somebody who was around. These Batgirl
2: comics really turned me on. (laughs)
3: Well, it's funny, like uh, because there's interviews where John and Paul are talking about like they were in the studio, and when they said that line, they knew like what a big deal it was, like that they were playing this on record, and they were like looking at each other because back then things were a little more squeaky clean. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I,
3: don't know, I don't know how you account for the panel where like Mary Jane says to Aunt Anna, Yeah, I just love to take Peter upside down over the table.
0: <laughs> I don't know exactly what that meaning was in the sixties. <laughs> and then Anna went to her bathroom and threw up <laughs> when, when I when I ride Harry like a Harley, I mean what does that mean? Okay. Um <laughs> Oh no. Sorry. <laughs> Number three Marvel Man, you're killing us. Amazing Spider-Man 45, page 6, panel 3. Given that Peter is such a worrywart, after Harry suggests that Peter go work for Norman, don't you think Peter's thought balloon should have read something like, Go work for Norman Osborn? I can't tell Harry this, but I could never risk letting him see me. The shock might cue his memory of his time as the Green Goblin and his knowledge of my secret identity. Come on, Stan. This is the same guy who is afraid that an injured arm will cause his friends to figure out his secret identity. Shouldn't he be afraid of bumping in Norman, let alone working for him? What do you guys think? I agree don't, with Tony.
3: Don't you know that amnesia is permanent? Is a permanent thing in the '60s? Uh, well, later on, he he keeps Norman at like you know arm's length, and like that was one of the reasons why I think it took him so long to take the job. But yeah. Peter's paranoia is very inconsistent. It might be because like, you know, the more social he's getting and the more popular he's getting and muscular, you know, maybe like his, some of his paranoia is being subdued because hey, some things are actually going right for him. I mean, he's not living with Aunt May and I and I would and I would think that living with Aunt May, like someone that's telling you that if you eat popcorn you're going to like break your teeth and like go to the hospital or die, like living with someone like that will make you paranoid. And he's at that point, he's moved out for maybe a few weeks or a month or two, so maybe some of that Aunt pa- oh, May paranoia is dying down. Like, yeah, that's it. It's all Aunt May's fault. She's made Peter the most paranoid person in the world. Like, think about it. Like, all that stuff that she, like, says. Like, if you don't <laughs> oh, have a rainbow. <laughs> like, that's why Peter, like, was all, it's it makes so much sense. Peter it's is all paranoid because
0: fault. of his paranoid aunt.
3: Yes, like subconsciously, you cannot live with someone like that subconsciously, like you know, and have it not a- affect you.
0: That's hilarious. That, that makes total sense. I, I this this is a new this is a new part of Amazing Spider Man classics <laughs> retconning of of this of the continuity.
3: Yeah, oh, poor, an, a new poor, part, right? P- poor Aunt Anna, she has to get out now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And his last point is number four. Last, I was going to provide my captions for ASM number forty-five, page nineteen, panel one, but I've already wasted enough of your time. Your biggest fan, the Marvel Man, aka John. Uh, <laughs> great letter. Oh, you're not, we're not, waste, you're Man. not
2: wasting our time.
0: Yeah, not a waste at all. That was that was awesome. But don't email again because you might.
3: Dear Spidey Classics, hey guys, I just want to say the show is as strong, is going as strong as ever. I mentioned in my message to the Mighty Shield, which wasn't read, by the way. Looking at John. No hard feelings, though, he explains. That I'm 13 now. My birthday was April 22nd. I oh. wanted first... Dude, you're like 13 and a half now.
2: I oh, wanted that's, first... That's, that's one. Sorry, that's, that's like one day after my birthday.
3: I wanted first to say that my favorite guest host should come back to the show, J.R. Fettinger. Has he been back since then? Because I know that we recorded a few... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... Yeah. He had his second appearance since then, right? Uh, uh, yeah, he's
0: been on twice now. He was okay. here for twenty six, twenty seven, the Crime Master's mask, and for thirty nine,
3: forty. Okay, was that? Yeah, yeah, that was that was before this email. He's really funny and very enjoyable to listen to. He's never coming back. Um, we had a falling out. It um, <laughs> it's really ugly. He uh,
2: never hear from him again.
3: He packed his stuff and he left, and uh, never said a word. No, nah, nah, he'll be back one day. Um, probably for a spectacular Spider Man number two. The Green Goblin. Uh, where was I? Because I turn the trail off when I read these things. He's really funny and enjoyable to listen to. I've been following along with you guys in the Marvel Masterworks, but now you have passed the end of my Masterworks collection, so I will be buying the essentials soon. Dude, cheaper than the Masterworks, go for it. And they're in black mm-hmm. and white, but who cares? I read these for the stories. You know, get some crayons, color them in. It's like a coloring book. You could pretend to be an inker, you know, and...
2: Or color I mean... <laughs>
3: Yeah, you can pretend to be an inker or a that I mean, I heard that that's how John Romita got his job, by coloring essentials.
0: That's cool. And
3: no, long. not really. Yeah, I am
0: just kidding.
3: <laughs> <laughs> During the hiatus between episode 30 and 31, I was led to try Spider-Man Crawl Space and From Crisis to Crisis, both of which I'm really enjoying now, along with your shows, John. Speaking of John, it turns out I live just a short distance north of you.
1: Ooh. Uh-oh.
3: One last thing I want to mention to you is that you guys inspired me to start a Green Lantern podcast covering Jeff Johns' Modern Run. Let me know if you're interested, and I'll include information in my next email. Anyway, loving the show, and until Josh starts dating a girl named Betty, make mine Spidey Classics. Signed, Ethan Smith. Dude, that's so awesome. I was 13 in the last episode that we did uh, in September.
0: Yeah, well, well, two episodes back now, but the the, the reboot episodes. Yeah, we, we some some reason, we we went
2: back in time, and we still don't know why how that happened, but we did.
0: It was crazy. A, I'm curious where you are now, Ethan, since you said you live just a short distance north of me. And B, yeah, if you're doing a podcast and you've got it going, send us the um, the website and you know information about everything, and we'll be glad to mention it on the show. And send it, if you, like I told the other email writer, if you have a promo that you've recorded, send us that in attachment, and we'll play it on the show. And our last email. From Elijah Villavan. Okay, If I get this wrong, uh, please don't
2: leave me. Elijah Villalpando. Hello, everyone at ASM. Just had one X-Men First Class question. Warning, has spoiler alerts. (laughs) I recently saw First Class, and Charles Xavier lost his legs at the end of the movie. In X-Men Origins, Charles Xavier had his legs... (laughs) I'll answer this. In X-Men Origins, Charles Xavier had his legs at the end of the movie where he helped guide those meetings in first class he was younger and x-men origins older (laughs) x-men origins legs first class no legs question is what are your suggestions on what happened can't wait to hear them and go team donovan elijah aka team dominance team donovan's
0: number one fan that is so sweet
3: we're on teams
0: well in the shipper wars probably (laughs) there is totally a team donovan i haven't wanted to tell you about it josh because i don't want you to feel bad but yeah i get emails from people saying they're on team donovan
3: so, so so like, it. usually when there's, like, Team Edward, there's a Team Jacob. So that means that one of us is, like, the object of affection in this triangle, and the other one's the competitor. So the question is, Josh, which one of Josh, us Josh is the I competitor?
0: I love Josh you. Josh and I are competing. But no, I love you. But I love you. But no, I love you.
2: He's a sneaking vampire!
3: They're <laughs> disgusting!
0: Okay, so okay. X-Men Origins. I'm guessing he's talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine.
3: Um, yeah, I don't yeah, remember Xavier being in that. Was
2: he? Yeah, he was. He was at the end. Uh, his face was like photoshopped at the very end, <laughs> when he was like leading Cyclops out. Now, here is the thing: is I remember seeing uh, First Class, and I had tre- trepidations about it, but I enjoyed it. That movie is completely like contradicts all the all the X movies because not only is Xavier like crippled at the end, but like in both in at the both in X X three and in Wolverine. He was walking, but he was they baldified him. So like, what I think is going on is that like with with first class because the X movies come out every like every like a couple years now. So like, I I would think that like they just took continuity out of the window. I, I would just say that like it's more or less a relaunch of the series and all those scenes where you saw walking Charles Xavier just ignore like like he says an X I think the first X Men that um, Magneto helped him develop Cerebro when you see in the first class that it was Beast so. I would just say that it was retconned.
3: He also like met Magneto when he was like 17 or something in the first movie. That's what he said. And here he's like a college graduate. Um, if you really want to examine the legs thing and make it fit in the continuity, there's been a few times in the comics where he's regained the use of his legs. So, <laughs> right. And they cripple again. So maybe like, you know, one of those events from the comics happened here off screen and yeah, he there, got his legs back and then he lost him again. The longer um, the
0: alien bird woman came between the movies and gave him his legs.
3: Um, um, um or like Barbara Gordon, A Miracle Happened and they're just
0: Yeah. Him- a, okay.
3: a miracle happened and then Charles Xavier got a wacky roommate saying fight the muties
0: <laughs> That's kinda terrible. Okay, so that is going to wrap up our email segment for today. Um, Before we go into our comics, however, we are going to take a break. I'm going to play a promo for a show that has just recently started up by previous guest and friend of the show, Michael Bailey. Insert Bailey's Batman podcast. Hey guys,
3: this is Michael Bailey, and this is my Batman podcast. Ever get sick of Damian Wayne and Miss Jason Todd? This is the podcast for you. It's the 80s, and everyone in Batman has big hair. Welcome to Bailey's
2: Batman. I don't know. I am not mean, mean to read along with those issues. I mean, I read uh, issues yet. The art is fantastic.
0: I read the issues for his first episode, and his first episode, and those are some really good books. Um, Jason Todd looks nothing like Jason Todd, and Killer Croc looks like a dude rather than an animal.
2: Yeah, I, I I do not like the lizard ripoff Killer
3: Croc. Mm-hmm. That's just, one thing that annoys me about modern Killer Croc. He became more and more and more like a crocodile, and he's actually he a
2: he, he has a skin condition, and like he filed his teeth. Like he doesn't have like he's not a, he's not a mutant. That's what.
3: What I don't understand is um there's in one of those issues there's a dinner party like you know where Dick Grayson's introducing everyone to the Todds. I know where he's going. Yeah, Babs is there with Jason Bard. why wasn't dick angstein and why wasn't babs angstein that like they weren't there together and like why was he shaking babs's hand while she was with her dates when like secretly he was dying to like you know be with her like what i don't understand
2: because kevin hasn't read that issue
3: (laughs) no but nightwing annual 2 said that like he always 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 wanted to be with her and like he was going to cancel his wedding for her and everything
2: i have nothing as you should (laughs)
3: <laughs> bailey if you if my if my little impression of you makes it into the bloopers, I love you and I love your show
0: <laughs> okay um Welcome back to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Today we are talking about Amazing Spider-Man 49, which was released March 14th, 1967, with a cover date of June. Our cover is a rather awesome one, actually, from John Romita, with Kraven holding Spider-Man in a wrestling grip from behind, while the new vulture swings in to give him a sock on the jaw. Though, actually, it looks more like he's giving Craven a sock on the elbow that's in front of his jaw, but I get what the artist is going for. And the whole thing is up on a tree limb somewhere, which is awesome. The banners proclaim, you name it, this one's got it. Open up the book, and the splash page has Spider-Man sprawled in the snow on the roof of a building, where we left him at the end of last issue and last episode. This is an unusual snowstorm, however, because the sh- the snow has actually fallen in the colors and shapes of the heads of Spider-Man's cast of characters. We see Harry Osborn, the now softer, prettier Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane Watson, Jonah Jameson, Aunt May, who is the only one in the group that is not smiling, we also have the new vulture with his green helmet that comes down as a V on his nose, and Craven the hunter, who would seem to be out of nowhere since he wasn't here in the first part of the story uh you know the last issue except we saw him on the cover, so we got warning and we get a blurb here that says also reintroducing Craven the hunter, but how is this a reintroduction I mean. Yeah. Craven's like trolled this, this title for the past few months, so like he's yeah like- he hasn't been gone. <laughs> he's been here for a, you know if he had been gone for a long time or if he were a new Craven the Hunter or something then yeah it would be a reintroduction but no he was just here and uh, they didn't think that his laser nipples warranted a reintroduction then so oh well. The title across the top is big and dramatic from the depths of defeat, sounds despairing and hopeful at the same time. Sure, Spidey has fallen far, but now hopefully the only place to go from those defeated depths is up to the heights of victory! Or or something. I I think that's what Stan's going for. They say that a dying man sees his whole life flash before him when the end is near. So it is with the fallen Spider-Man who, daring to battle the deadly vulture while stricken with a virus attack, has been downed and left for dead. Oh yeah, Uh because Spidey has a cold, if you didn't remember. Because I, I forgot until I read that just now. And this is a Stan Lee and John Romita action epic lettered by Sam Rosen. Amazing Spider-Man is published monthly by non Publishing Corp. Um, but that, that, that's just kind of a side note. Uh, Spider-Man, let's see. He finally stirs from the snow, thinking that the intense cold must have revived him which is a notion that I often read in comics that makes no sense to me whatsoever, because if you're injured and your body is weak, it seems to me that lowering its temperature is just going to make it weaker.
2: It makes absolutely no sense.
0: Yeah. Intense cold will not revive you. It will kill you. Spidey shakily climbs down the ladder and hobbles to his apartment. He climbs up the wall and through the window to avoid Harry seeing him. Harry is still out. Uh, I'm guessing with Mary Jane, since they had made plans to go out last issue. But he returns just at that moment. So Peter, still in his Spidey suit, except for the mask, dives under the covers and looks half asleep and all snuggled up when Harry turns on the light. He tells Harry he's feeling better, which is, of course, a big fat lie. Meanwhile, Craven sees news reports saying that the Vulture is the city's deadliest menace, which pisses Craven off because he's the one who first beat Spider-Man! So they should be talking about him. And in his rage, Craven attacks his pet tiger. They wrestle. It's, it's not he his pet
3: tiger. He bullies him. No, but it's, it's not his because it's Raja from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> he bullies him. Like, okay, look at that page. Look at the last panel. Look at the look on that tiger's face. Yeah, tiger's <laughs> not happy <laughs> to be attacked right here. He's like, hey,
0: wait, like no. wait, wait, what?
3: What? 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 like, lets him out of his cage, beats him up, and then says, now back in your cage, I command you.
0: He like, throws uh, the tiger against the wall.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Animal abuse. No. Just like the tiger's face, like, John Romita Sr. did a good job of conveying this tiger. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa,
2: whoa. <laughs> he like, choking. He's like choking the tiger by his throat. It's like, <laughs>
3: I did ask for this. Yeah. I just want to that I'm the toughest of all. I will attack an animal that I just let out of a cage with no like chance to defend itself.
0: <laughs> but note for the listeners: no animals were harmed in the recapping of this comic book.
3: Uh, except for the one that he's standing on, like before he lets Raja out, like Raja's probably probably wife or something.
2: Oh, the, like like the rug, yeah. And then and then <laughs> the, he's
3: a, he's an elephant
2: ahead. Like I I don't know many like uh, uh ivory poachers, but I don't know people like chopped off the heads of
0: elephants. It's pretty intense. He's a sick puppy. And Russian. But that doesn't matter right now. Or does it? <laughs> and Craven decides that he's going to hunt down the vulture for robbing him of his glory. Ask any comic strip writer or podcasting comic book recapper, and he'll tell you the most valuable word in caption writing is, meanwhile. We find May and Anna paying a visit to old Petey Britches in his bedroom. Peter still has his Spidey suit on, so he still has the blankets up around his neck i guess this is just a few minutes after the last scene and peter hasn't actually slept yet because he tells them he was about to take a nap and all he needs is a good night's sleep so i don't know i guess the fight with the vulture was during the day and he passed out on the roof until late afternoon or early evening which is when we are now i don't know i always try to make sense of the chronologies and obviously i think about it more than stan does But the thing is, even though it hasn't been that long, Peter is actually feeling better. But with his aunt out there thinking he needs to rest, he can't exactly leave to go find the vulture. May makes a call to the doctor, and even Anna makes a comment that she's never known a person who worried so. Get out, Anna. Get out while you still can.
3: And Anna, like, follows her in. Like, she's like, May Parker, you know, he's probably fine, I swear. Like, and you imagine that they've been having this conversation the whole car ride over. (laughs) (laughs) Please turn
2: around. Please turn around. Please, let's not do this. (laughs) Like,
3: this isn't necessary. Like, Like, they probably just begin, like, a typical day. Like, they're doing puzzles or whatever elderly ladies do. And then on May looks up. I'm a little worried about Peter. He, he, you know, it's been forty-five minutes since he's checked in with me. I'm gonna go check on him, and then the Aunt Anna sighs. Ah, this again.
2: <laughs> I want a retelling of this issue where, like, Aunt May's like, Aunt is like, it's, like has Aunt May in like an arm bar, like just like
0: no, no, and like Aunt May's like, I must see Peter. It's
2: been twenty minutes since I've thought of him,
0: and she's so worried that she busts her way out. Well, and <laughs> oh, and Olk May comes through. <laughs>
3: That's why Anna Watson took so many trips to Florida because during the time when these two were roommates, there is many periods where Aunt Anna will just disappear to Florida for like a long time, like because this woman drives her so crazy living together. Like she 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 has to like leave the state and go to like this and go to the vacation state just to like you know recharge.
0: Well, despite Aunt Anna's. Um precarious living conditions that evening the vulture attacks an airborne cargo helicopter until they turn over their attache case full of diamonds they're supposed to be delivering craven is kind of sort of kind of nearby he's perched on a building corner watching it all happen i have finally seen him in the flesh know that i have the scent he cannot escape me the problem is seeing isn't smelling he, he he saw the vulture way uh, over there, <laughs> and, and and now he has the scent. He smelled him with his eyes. <laughs> maybe maybe the vulture like perched right there where Craven is perching, and and so I don't know. Uh, I, he, I give up.
3: He doesn't he he could probably smell him because of the wind. Like is it is it that far fetched? They're in the same vicinity. A
0: bit. I guess that's possible. The wind could be blowing. Okay, we'll say that. You get the nose prize, Josh. The nose prize. You get the nose prize, Josh. Blech. You get the nose.
3: I notice. saw what you did there.
0: I can't. The nose prize, like it. <laughs> At the bugle, Jonah's clamoring for photos to put in the paper, so he has Betty try to track down Peter. She calls his apartment, and Harry answers, but deflects the request because, of course, Peter is sick in bed. Then Gwen and MJ show up, and Harry acts like he didn't just see Mary Jane an hour ago. Hi, Aunt Anna. We
3: were passing uh, by and. In- uh, Why are you assuming that he saw her an hour ago?
0: Because they said at the end of last issue they were going to go out for a shake. And then he came home, like, just a few pages ago.
3: Okay, that was a few weeks ago for me, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's okay. Hi, Aunt Anna. We were passing by and thought Petio could use some cheering up. You know our motto, chase the blues away with Gwen and MJ. I love that. When Petey wakes up and sees what he missed, he'll kill himself. What I want to know is when Gwen and Mary Jane became so chubby. because they were never like this before,
3: and, and they, they never will be again. Yeah, and so Gwen like, why dies.
2: Why, why aren't they like you know scratching each other's hair? In fact, oh, I actually have a note about this uh, concerning Spider-Man Blue because it's, it's that's still going on. Spider-Man Blue: The story that will never end <laughs> until this issue, until the end of this issue.
3: You yeah, said guys... two issues ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, you you, you see them, you wonder when they're going to get so chummy, and they will not be this chummy again until after Gwen dies, and there's a million stories about how they were best friends and did everything together. The only other time that you see them alone together, to my recollection, is during the um, Smasher storyline, when, like, Peter and Harry, like, go to a political rally, and the girls are already there waiting for them.
0: Because they care about politics so darn much. Everyone does. Eventually, it becomes apparent that Peter is ensconced, and Mary Jane can't even fill the halls with some rollicking records because, you know, he's supposedly sleeping. At that point, the girls decide to depart, and Harry walks them downstairs. Peter, meanwhile, is lying in bed, wishing the doctor would hurry up and show so he can be declared healthy and go out swinging again. Because, you know, he's a hard luck hero. He can't even go superheroing because he's supposed to be sick in bed. But he's not really sick in bed. He just has to fake it for his aunt because he lied to her. Zub, uh, zub. Outside, <laughs> this reminds me of Superboy, okay? Because Superboy would get himself into all sorts of fixes just because, like, of some point of honor or something, and so he has to like lie to a kid and then like go behind the scenes to make him feel better about himself. I don't know. Anyways, outside, the vulture is glorying in his newfound ability to fly, until Kraven lassos his ankle and yanks him to a roof that bears a striking resemblance to the roof that Spider-Man had crashed on. That That's mm-hmm. probably just John Romina drawing the same roof again. The vulture lands a punch on Craven and tries to fly away again, but Craven grabs his ankle and the added weight carries them both down through a skylight. Peter hears about their fight on the news radio and he decides enough is enough. He peeks outside and sees that May and Anna have fallen asleep on the couch. Because they are old! and so frail and weak and little soft little boy i mean it turns out that when may eats popcorn it cracks her teeth and she's worried that the same thing's gonna happen to peter because she's the one who's so freaking old and frail they're both dead (laughs)
3: they just just (laughs) died anana finally killed her And and then after she died like anna's like at last peace rest and then like collapsed on the couch
0: (laughs) <laughs> and, the, and the mastermind villain behind the Marvel universe has finally perished.
3: <laughs> and then, like, and it's like at the end of the Little Mermaid when um, Ursula dies, like all those like little seaweed creatures like turn into like you know muscular mermen and like hot mermaids and like swim away and like the sun comes out again.
0: It's the all, all happy edition. So um, <sighs> Peter decides to go on out and hopefully return before they awake if I return, at all. Which, what the It'll hell happen. does that mean, Peter? That you're going to duck out on your personal life, or that you think you might die? I I, I can't quite tell what he's trying to say there.
2: Like, he he thinks he might he, die. He, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, Craven and the Vulture are the two most powerful supervillains he's ever faced, ever, ever, never will.
0: Well, okay, nothing else in anything that he's thinking or saying goes along with the fact that he might die. Anyways... It just said like a, like a random drop of morbidness mixed in for no reason. Everything it's, else it, is yay. I'm feeling better. I like, can take on the world. The sky so is blue. All the
3: fields are green. But I'm going to die. Is Stanley making it sound dramatic? Like you know, like the reader's like, whoa, Spider-Man might die. He has to face two villains this time. He he could barely handle Kraven on his own or the Vulture on his own. But together, if Spider-Man doesn't think he has a chance, he might not have a chance at all. <laughs>
2: But I thought college-age kids read Spider-Man,
0: though, and they're like, ah, he's going to survive. He's good. He's Spider-Man. So having heard on the radio that they were at the exhibition hall, Spidey swings there directly and finds the Vulture and Kraven still fighting inside. Once they see him, each one starts talking about how defeating Spider-Man is more important than fighting the other bad guy. And while they're doing this, Spidey launches himself between them, with each fist catching a jaw on its way. They both try to fight Spider-Man, but not through a sense of teamwork. They're just, you know, randomly, you know, separately trying to fight him. In fact, when we get to the scene on the front cover with Kraven holding Spider-Man and the Vulture punching him, Kraven resents the Vulture's attempt to attack Spider-Man. Hold him! Hold him! Let me finish him off! Stay back! He belongs to Kraven! (laughs) Mm-hmm. And just when the Vulture voices the bright idea that they coordinate their efforts, Craven brandishes the laser nipples and shoots them at Spider-Man problem is spidey dodges so the twin nipple blasts hit the vulture instead knocking him out of the sky wondering how many more times john's gonna say nipples in this issue spider-man leaps at craven wrenches the laser mechanisms out of his vest returning his nipples to their non-functional state and whumps craven in the middle with all his might no holding back i love the look on craven's face when he's like that really hurt and he's like passes out (laughs) And Spidey even like brags about he's like, it's the same wump that staggered the Hulk in Amazing Spider Man Annual Three and Craven goes down. And of course
3: And then Spidey said his golden age Superman style, You're not fighting a tiger now. (laughs) Raja washes with glee. Yes, at last.
0: Spidey clicks some pics and rushes home, and exactly three minutes and 22 seconds after he pops through this window, Dr. Bromwell shows up to examine a pajama to Peter in his bed. The doctor gives Peter a clean bill of health, telling May it was probably just a 24-hour virus. I'm so relieved, Doctor. He's such a fragile boy. Yeah!
3: She called him out of surgery. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Sorry, I was... I was and he
3: surgery. went... And, and he had to make a house call in New York City... And New then when York he's City. like, um, he's healthy, he's fine. Like, how annoyed must Dr. Bramwell be right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's smiling for Aunt May, but it's probably like one of those pasted-on smiles. Uh, Fragile, my fine. dear man, He's the picture of a robust health.
3: And, and, and she's, uh, Peter, dear. do you feel up to seeing Dr. Bramwell now? Oh, so, so he has a choice?
1: <laughs>
3: he has a choice? You know, or like... <laughs> <laughs> Aunt
0: May then tells Peter that the doctor is a real pussy willow and Peter corrects her that it's pussy cat <laughs> but I think pussy willows are much cuter dear okay pretty girl if you say so he's a pussy willow tell you what how about me taking my favorite gals to a movie there's a way out western at the bijou and that would be nice peter you've been cooped up so long you can use a little excitement
3: irony in
1: oh. three two one <laughs>
3: But he was outside all day doing all sorts of exciting things. And
0: Bertone explodes.
3: Aunt May, you don't know of what you speak of.
0: (laughs) And next issue box says, next issue, Spider-Man, no more. Wait, there's not going to be a next
3: issue? Nope. There's no more Spider-Man.
0: No more never, ever, ever. That's the last one. You just thought this show was going to go for a long time. Nope, next one's well, last one.
3: I told everyone that the book sales were going to drop as soon as Steve Dicko left, but nobody believed me. I <laughs>
2: nineteen 1960. Maybe we can get Steve back for issue 50. That'll that'll happen. Let's let's get Steve let's get Steve on on online and have him agree to guest host on us.
0: Steven, if you're listening to this episode right now, you should be here for issue 50. Okay.
3: Well done. <laughs> okay, tell you, John, if you can get Steve on for episode fifty, I will bake. I will you a kiss, cake. I, yeah, I will bake you a cake. I will kiss your feet.
0: Will you really? You should like totally drive over here.
3: That's like Steve didn't even draw that issue. That no, didn't really he, work. he
2: just like criticized it about like how how it doesn't you know match with this worldview of um uh, objectivism and. Black as black and white as white, and there's nothing in between except for in these essentials when it is black and black and white and white.
0: <laughs> so, what did we think of issue forty-nine? Very
3: fun f- issue. It Was a fun romp in the snow with uh, the Vulture and Craven. Uh, I'm glad that Spider-Man ripped his nipples out. You know, maybe uh, as he deserved. If you can't use your nipples properly, then you know Spider-Man will rip them out. That's a lesson that uh, all young men must learn.
0: <laughs> it, it it certainly doesn't go to formula. I mean, it's not like he uh, finds a bad guy and fights him and goes and does other things and comes back and fights the bad guy again or something. It, it's I mean, Peter's stuck in bed trying to dodge his Aunt and May for most of the issue and then finally comes out for the last you know few pages. Yeah, I think we said last time
2: that this is one of those issues where people say, spider mans not your typical hero. He gets sick and has to go home. Like, like This is like the one of the few times where that actually happens. And I don't think this happens again until like the Conway stuff with the ulcer.
0: Not, um, not the strict format. No, no, because there's what's the what's the issue where um no that's like in the late 100s. Never mind. I was thinking the issue where Spider-Man's like really really tall over Peter and the gang, and Peter's holding his mask in his hand. Oh, that that that's
2: that's like no, that's that that issue, right?
0: Is that that With same the, one?
2: The, Jane, the, the Jerry Conway. It's like the spider, spider Spider Slayer thing, and that doves into the Doctor Octopus story, and then that dovetails into
0: the Hammerhead spark okay yeah yeah that must be all the same one then Where are spider unless you count
2: the next the next time he gets sick when um not only does does he uh does he have a fever but he he loses his girlfriend so the first page creeps me up because if you notice aunt may is the only one staring at the reader and not smiling so it's like i see you and you're not eating your wheatcakes, cakes
0: jonah well i don't know they all kind of look like they're staring at me except except for the bad guys they're looking at spider-man all the good guys feel like they're looking right at me I
3: always man. find
2: it funny how, like, so many, like, headshots of, like, Jonah Jameson. And this goes with Robert Robertson, too. They always have their cigars and their pipes in their mouths. Like, like they're, they're, they had that in, like, the, the John Byrne Spider-Man number 1 uh, cover. It's like, it's not them without their
0: nicotine. Right, right. And I've never, I've never smoked a cigar, but does it really spend a lot of time in your mouth? Wouldn't that make it kind of nasty and stuff on the end?
1: Uh,
2: yeah.
3: I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know if you're uh, just, like... This big old hunk of leaves, like you know, that you're drooling all over and stuff. I, I, I don't. It just seems like it'd be kind of nasty. But like I said, I've never been a cigar smoker, so I don't know how that works.
3: Uh, well, to answer you- that question, we have J. Jonah Jameson on the line. <laughs> Listen here, Parker.
2: We agreed that like like the plot contrivance of um, oh, actually, instead of the cold killing him, it, it wakes him up to save his life. Is a weird one
0: yeah and and it's it's used a lot in comics i've seen it many times people like falling into water and that shakes them awake you know and oh the cold water is w- wakes them up it's like no it it, it wouldn't it's just you know it, it almost is though this was a discrepancy of the writing
2: and the art because if he had like i don't know had faked being knocked out and then like because he was too weak to fight and then went home that would make a lot more sense but it does actually look like he he passed out and then like oh I'm, I'm I'm up now but I'm still weak. It's kind of taking taking advantage.
0: It's that it's kind of taking advantage
2: of like the whole sick idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, a bit. Animal abuse from Craven. He's just like I'm pissed. I'm going to let my tiger out and fight him. None but Craven can fight the mightiest carnivore barehanded. Come, my pet. It's time for your master to test his mettle once again. And the tiger's like, oh crap, I hate this part. <laughs> like, look at that panel where like Craven's at the top of the stairs. It's very menacing. Yeah, yeah. That's very much like boy cowering in the basement, Dad with the with the blackjack coming down the stairs.
3: Papa's Man. home. Man, this this scene with the tiger gets worse as, like...
0: As we <laughs> examine it more?
3: <laughs> yeah, like, he's locked in the basement and, like, is only let out to get beat up. This is... Poor if, tiger. If, if anybody like, if super
2: villain was, was an animal rights uh, or an, an animal abuser, would be craven.
3: And again, like, the tiger's face, like, every single face, time you see the tiger's face, except for, like... Um, the What's panel where thing? he's, like, coming out of the stage. Like, yeah, the panel where Craven's jumping out, the panel where he's getting choked, panel where, like, he's walking away with his tail between his legs. Like, it's... It's, it's poor Tiger. Like, he pre- he's going to become a supervillain or something.
0: He totally should become a supervillain. This is the sort of scene that would never fly in comics today.
3: Oh, uh, are you kidding me? The Joker just cut off his face.
0: The Joker cutting off his own face is not the Joker cutting off an animal's face when the animal is being caged downstairs. You had to remind me of that.
3: Okay. Um, A teenage girl was uh, crucified on a wall and like, you know, tortured with power drills and like slowly gutted and then taken to the hospital where the doctor withheld treatment on on her limb.
0: What are you talking about?
3: How about that? What are you talking about? Stephanie Brown's death. Stephanie Brown's death. Uh,
0: Well, that I I haven't read that.
3: Well, I never should because it's horrible writing. It's a minor, that's a mon- I mean, what I'm saying is like, oh, this would never fly in modern comics. <laughs> no, in the modern comics, this could happen and the tiger would be getting raped.
0: No, 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 no. I, I seriously think that you can do a lot of stuff to human characters in comics that you can't get away with. I mean, in in fictional depictions, not just comics, I think in any, any medium, you can do a lot of stuff to human characters that if you were to portray doing it to animals, you would, you would get in big, you know. Well, uh, you yeah. Do.
2: I, th- I think I think in later years like Craven like just up and kills animals for for like the the challenge of the hunt. He doesn't just like beat them up.
3: In Craven's last hunt, he attacks a bunch of mannequins, and because it's comics and like you know you don't, it's not a motion comic where you see these move. The first few times I read that scene, I totally didn't get that they were mannequins.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Okay, so like in Spider-Man Blue, like like with this issue, um, they don't show you Peter, how Peter gets back to the. Uh, to Harry's apartment, and he just opens it with Harry, like, saying, darn, Peter, you look like hell, or whatever, and, like, what I really like about, like, that interpretation is that the whole Mary Jane and Gwen scene, Aunt Anna and uh, Aunt May are nowhere near it, as they deserve, and, like, Peter, it wakes up to, like, Mary Jane, like, serving him, like, soup, and then Gwen comes up comes in with, like, a storybook that Uncle Ben coincidentally used to, to read to him, hinting that she's perfect, and it's, it's a very, <laughs> very, very, like, 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 Gwen versus M- M- MJ sort of mindset. But it's actually written pretty
0: well. I like it. It's interesting that they changed the scene so much, though. Because obviously, I mean, that was all very, very deliberate.
2: Yeah. It, 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 it's they almost, they almost do, like, the frozen word balloons with, like, Gwen, Mary Jane. And, like, like Peter sees... Um, Actually, now that I think about it, they, they kind of fuse, like... What was it, issue 64 or whatever? Where, like, old Vulture and new Vulture spoilers, like, fight against each other and that issue.
3: I kind of remember that.
2: Yeah, he, see, he sees tombs and um drago fighting out the window and like he's like oh, oh i'm sorry girls i need my rest and they, they say you suck peter and like they leave
0: and he, oh he, he's wow like, so, they, so they change <laughs> they modify this scene and then change the whole bad guy situation outside too That's that's really really weird
3: well they change the order of a lot of things like 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 i said the whole thing like closes with um Flash Thompson's no not it it, like instead of Flash Thompson's goodbye party it was like a Valentine's Day party or something and
2: it was Flash's goodbye it was was, well actually it was his Valentine's party where he announced that he was leaving for the army
3: right and um um yeah and we mentioned it before like Craven wasn't after Harry because uh uh because he was trying to get to Norman he was after Harry because he thought Harry was Spider Man because like Peter and Harry traded cologne and he tracked the scent
0: wow. I remember that now. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. We, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I have to admit that I still haven't read it yet, so I, I really, really should. But. I
2: think I think this adaptation was like my favorite from this from that miniseries because like I really liked the, I really liked how they in that particular issue it was it was it was like the most uh, Gwen team MJ team Gwen you were read but it wasn't written like as bad as you might think it was. It was written kind of like kind of entertainingly
0: we i know we've seen the vulture this new vulture we saw him last episode uh last issue i don't really feel like we get anything new from him here i don't feel like either of the bad guys really does anything to really make them stand out more than before i think craven's like a one-time joke that he keeps repeating himself every time
2: he, he, he appears he's like i'm the king of the seas no 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 i'm the king
0: of the jungle i'm the king of the world
2: I can do anything by smashing this vase and, and beating up hel- helpless kittens, and then vultures. And vultures, like, um, I'm
3: the king of the sea. Damn it! <laughs> I'm <the king> of <laughs> what is it with all these not like nautical villains? <laughs> They're all
0: really tiger shark in disguise.
2: <laughs> why, why am I thinking about the water?
3: <laughs> oh, For real.
2: <laughs> uh, he says um, you know he's like he's like, I'm, uh, I can fly I can do anything I can take over the world even Spider-Man
0: because he's too coward to show his face in front of me he is too much of a coward <laughs> that was funny okay and Donovan's flubs will be left in the episode so um
3: so Peter moved out of Aunt May's house but really the status quo is still the same here this could have very well been a Peter gets sick at all like this story would have been like would have had very little differences if he was still living at Aunt May's house because she visits him and like treats him the same as she did when they were living together.
0: He's moved out, but he can't get away.
3: Right. Well, I mean, like
0: no like issue, I think.
3: Well, well, like it's it's a storytelling thing though, too. Like storytelling wise, the fact that he's moved out does not change anything. Right. Like you could have told the same story with him living at Aunt May's house, except like Harry would have been visiting. Like, the girls would have still been visiting. Like, it's no difference. Like, okay, Peter's at Harry's house. It's a new status quo. We're not going to do any of that Aunt May stuff anymore. Um, This is usually in the book where Aunt May would be worried about him. Let's have her go visit him. Yeah, let's do that.
0: Well, now that Thompson's gone off to war, let's have him come back every five
3: issues. Yeah, for real. That hasn't happened yet, but it's going to
2: give it like three issues and, and like hey guys uh vietnam so they can they can fight their own war while i take a break
3: uh, i I said this joke on another podcast but he never went to vietnam like he 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 chickened out here. he didn't go on the plane yeah oh yeah that's what i meant like another episode of the podcast like you know and like every once in a while like shut up in a uniform like hey guys i'm back on break whoa anyway back to vietnam see ya he, he's like, a, at his sister's house right that, that that's where he learned to be an alcoholic
2: what did you guys think of the uh the fight at the end with um drago
0: and craven and spider-man um it was it was pretty okay the art is really nice the the panels are really big he really opens up and of course we talked about this last time john romita when he gets to action scenes he just opens up his pen lets the panels get bigger and gets more cinematic with things i thought it worked really well it's just very short and um i don't know to be honest i'm not that satisfied by this issue, I it, it's, really it, yeah. Um, it, it was not as much of an enjoyable read for me as, as some of the other ones we've done recently. See,
2: I I really like the whole uh, uh, hijinks of like the him being sick because like whether whether it's like a, like a like a Spiderman cliche or not, it it isn't. Th- that's a fun situation to imagine, you know. Like oh, I'm a superhero, but I can't let anyone know because I'm sick, so I can't fight, but I can't stay home. Like I I, I genuinely think that's a fun engaging thing to read. I do think that, like, this is a very conclusion type of story, like, like issue. Like, it's just, you know, the, the confrontation. But I would say, in terms of the fight sequence, I think Spider-Man actually gets really, really physical. And I like that, because he, he's taking it to King to uh, <laughs> to, keep him. to Craven, Like, he elbows him in the, in the gut. He's so... Sock- like, he does a lot of punching here, and I think that it's really, like... It's nice to see Spider-Man deliver a lot of, like, two-fisted justice kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's
0: because of the arch. I like superheroes who 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 punch bad guys. And you can hear more about that at golden dot dot com.
2: Or Close Chronicles at uh dot com. Or uh the Batman Universe
0: Okay, so Craven finally goes over I mean, it takes a lot to put Craven out in this issue. Spider Man really wails on him for a while, and I didn't usually think of Craven as being that strong.
2: Well is I don't think Craven has superhuman strength. I, I mean, he's one of those guys who has like enhanced strength. I mean, I don't—I never saw him as like lifting a car or anything, but like he fights elephants on a, on an
0: hourly basis and beats up abu- uh, abused tigers. But see, well, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I—I I, I think that is superhuman. It's just not Superman levels of superhuman. Superhuman <laughs> is something more than normal.
3: So. I think Craven's super strength was like reckoned in later. Although he did oh, make references to, to jungle potions in the Dicko books, yeah, right.
2: I, th- I think I think that like they made references to. Shit. See, here's the thing: like, I don't because we're getting so much of him in these early issues. I really, I really think that this is what kind of made Craven to the joke that he was for a while because I don't see, I don't see the, the attraction to the guy. I mean, he's an interesting idea, but like, I don't think he's an interesting idea because he's like one of Spider-Man's most recurring villains in this era, but like. He he doesn't pose any serious threat besides strength. I mean, well, at least with a vulture. I don't think the vulture is a dumber idea in concept, but at least the vulture has the aerial ad- advantage of like you know fighting in the air with Spider-Man swinging in the air. So that's an idea for storytelling. But Craven could fight any any character, and like it would he would, just, he would he would be the same kind of gag. So not, not only does he really fit Spider-Man, I and mean, this is all my opinion. I mean, I'm sorry for all the Craven fans who I'm making cry right now, but I think that like in concept, he just comes off as super villain he doesn't come off as as like a character whereas at least with the other characters there's a certain theme that goes beyond the animals that kind of goes goes into like visualizations that i think john Romina can can deliver like i think the last fight the last issue with with vulture was actually really good because it was all in the air but in this one it's, it's like i like the fighting but that's mainly due to the art in
0: conception it is kind of like basic and rudimentary well, I, I, it's possible that some of what you are saying was felt by the writers as well, because Craven is gone for quite a while after this. He he makes an appearance in the Kazar series of Astonishing Tales in mm. nineteen seventy, but he doesn't come back to Spider Man until ASM one hundred three. So that that's quite a ways away. Fifty four issues that's four and a half years. And he stuck even
2: worse in those issues because like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like he he wanted Gwen as his Jungle Bride, and he like was like manipulating the Gibbon it. I, I really I don't mean, I don't I liked him even less.
3: <laughs> Spider-Man commits murder in that book. So really? Yeah, he drowns Gog in quicksand.
2: Oh yeah. To be honest, like I mean, th- those issues are so poor to me. I really don't. I really couldn't be bothered by like reading them more than twice. Uh, to be honest, so, I'm,
3: lo- I'm looking over
0: his appearance list, and he is not a frequently used villain over the next like decade.
3: Those so <laughs> were bad issues
2: like and roy thomas's era which was very short those seem to be really like like which i shouldn't be talking about this later but those those seem to be like really like kind of goofy stories whereas like he was he was only on the books like what 10 issues and then like uh stanley came back and then uh, it was, came back.
3: Still, was some villains after uh after issue 100 like uh like, hey Gwen, this place with man-eating dinosaurs and danger at every turn. You know, uh, your dad just died and you just got back from London. Want to go to this place that'll probably give you a traumatic experience for life and probably kill you?
0: <laughs> but it's opportunities for Gwen in a bikini. It is true.
2: And then Peter, Peter, Pe- Peter plays like a uh, uh, Doc Savage there because he like he's like let go of your beast. And he like grabs a gun and like goes after Craven. And he's like, oh wait, I'm Spider Man. So he says, screw this.
3: Uh, yeah, it's odd. And then I, Craven I think- ran. He wants to marry gwen
0: i hate that kind of crap
3: like
2: the villain wants
0: a
3: love they,
0: interest for no reason yeah i mean i can think he, of one really big reason but not to marry her
3: well no no, no 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 no, he he wanted her to be he said bride i know, I mean, know i'm just
0: saying that like i i would i would <laughs> if i were craven i'd be thinking other things besides bride um because you're after, John Wilson.
3: <laughs> after Mary Jane said at, at, like, the end of one of the Since Past crossovers, I know who the father of Gwen's children are, like, there was a lot of theories online, and one of the ones that actually made a lot of sense, and I knew, like, would not be used because it was JMS, and JMS doesn't use continuity like this, but uh, <laughs> it, it was like... <laughs> It was maybe while they were in the Savage Land, maybe Craven, you know, had his way with Gwen. And she never told Peter because she was ashamed of it. And that's why the kids, like, you know, have superpowers because they're Craven's kids, you know, with the jungle potions. And that's why they aged fast. Like, you know, and it was like using continuity, like, oh, this makes sense. But then it was Norman Osborn.
2: I, it's one of the reasons I don't like, I mean, not, not I don't like, but it's one of the reasons why I don't – uh enjoy batman 89 to, as much as other people do because like the whole joker vicky Vale thing seems really forced but like like that's neither here nor there i think that like if you compare craven against the other villains like the rhino who doesn't appear until the 80s right like i, I think that it's i, th- I, mean, I think they, they use up his worth his worth wildness i mean like, i mean other villains like show don't appear until for a while so it's interesting to see like who sticks and who doesn't i mean i think for the next several issues we get a bunch of new villains and not not any dicko stuff
0: Right, right.
3: I yeah, so we, we get a new villain in issue fifty-one.
2: No, oh, issue oh, fifty.
3: Yes.
0: He's there in fifty.
2: Yeah, he, he first appears in fifty.
3: Yeah, crime is his crime is his livelihood.
2: <laughs> right, it's pretty. It's pretty much that that scene. It's with another. It's not with Norman Osborn.
3: Um, when we that, get up to that episode, we have to re. We have we have to do the nineties animated series scene word for word. <laughs> open the episode because it's that epic.
0: Well, the vulture is coming back in issue sixty three. Both vultures come back later, spoilers. So we'll be seeing them again much more quickly and soon in the stories than we will see um, Craven. But then they also, after issue sixty three and sixty four, the vulture goes away for uh, quite a long time. Now, one other thing while we're talking about Craven, because we we are still talking about him because I have decreed it to be so. Whenever Calypso comes along, was it ever retconned that she was like part of his life earlier? Or is she just part of his life and the issues we see later, starting with two hundred nine and going forward? I,
3: don't I know. believe they have a history.
0: Because um, I was just wondering—we were talking about him wanting to be Gwen's bride, or not be Gwen's bride, but have Gwen for his bride. Wouldn't you know? Was it possible that Calypso's retconned storyline would put him in his life instead?
3: Well, he has a wife too, you know, and like, and he has, and he's been married to her for. Since before he tried to take one as a bride because uh, he has kids that are uh you know, Wait, old.
2: He has a he has a I don't I didn't know he has a wife. Yeah, from Grim Hunt. Oh duh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Spider Man right.
3: ripped her face off.
2: But that was that was that was like a BS retcon, like like oh by the way I have this wife, like but
3: um Raven's always been a womanizer though, because like uh yeah, the Grim has. Hunters the Grim Hunters mother is a different person than um Calypso. Yeah, that that well, yeah, like they all had different parents, and like it was really weird because Al Yasha Craven, uh, he like yeah. slept with Oh, like, You know
2: st- what? Wasn't it like like assumed that like she was like their mother, and like Jay- I think Jay and Demitrius actually insinuated like there was some sort of like incestual theme going on there.
3: I don't remember that because like she seemed like ignorant of the fact that Craven had kids.
2: I don't know. I read those. I I had those issues of uh, spectacular, and like I, I thought it was actually really really like, it was good, but it was like really like like disturbing. But um, yeah that's not a huge. I mean, I, to me, I think I don't. This is one of those things where, where I, like I don't see why Craven needs to be back because even if he does play the, the obsessed hunter who wants to kill himself for for glory or whatever crap like that, then like um, I think that's a very very like 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 shallow well. Otherwise, you're just doing this kind of like goofy King of, King of the Jungle thing, and that can only goes so far because it's a very Tarzan-esque kind of idea. So, I'm glad that we, that we get the I'm I'm glad that the way he went out was just getting punched out by Spider Man instead
0: of like you know like like having a big over the top kind of thing. You know what is going to happen with Craven though between now and the next time we see him is that he's going to make a deal with Mister Sinister, and he and the Blob are going to track down the X Men and Peter and them at the coffee shop. They're going to fight them all together get their uh, blood samples i,
2: I read that uh, this past summer
0: x-men spider-man crossover of 2009 the first issue you know they're kind of nebulous about when it takes place but it definitely is sometime between now and 104 because the x-men are the, between now and then the x-men are going to split up and in that issue they're still together so um
2: oh you know what also happens uh in between this is like um he invades the coffee bean when harry gwen mary jane and uh 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 Peter Captain there. Stacey. Captain Stacy, yeah.
0: Where is that from?
2: The Amazing Spider Man
3: Annual 1996.
2: Ah. Which is awesome. And like, uh, Captain Stacy learns
0: uh, Spider Man 3 And it's all remembered by Ben Riley. Because
3: you're I'm a actually, handyman to have around.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually looking up right now. Yeah, it has Spider Man Human Torch number two, X Men Spider Man number one, and Amazing Spider Man Annual number 1996, and some X Men Hidden Years issues. Uh, are all involving the Craven between now and his next appearance in Astonishing Tales?
2: I think he also. I mean, this, is not, this might not be in between, but I think he also like runs into Tigra, does he?
0: or Hellcat, whatever, whichever character she is in it now.
3: He was in Marvel Team Up at one point or another.
0: That might be later on. Um, when he when he comes back in Amazing Spider-Man 103, Marvel Team Up hasn't started yet.
3: Yes, that is true.
0: Yeah, Marvel Team Up. Okay, yeah, we have creatures on the loose, Daredevil. Marvel Team Up sixty seven. There is a spectacular Spider Man issue. Uh, lots of other stuff that happened after that, but it's still kind of spaced out. Some, in fact, about only about fifteen appearances from now is Secret Wars two.
3: Um, yeah, him in Secret Wars two. I think all he did was like there is an issue where like every single villain in the world like is in Mephisto's realm attacking the Beyonder, and like you see Craven but he doesn't like he doesn't like have a big role like he doesn't like rally the villains like making a speech about honor and killing the beyonder
0: mm-hmm. you know it's weird because for someone who has such a huge legacy having had all the other cravens and being you know the um craven's last hunt being that huge storyline i'm just looking at his appearance list he's not that widely used a villain
3: it's because the stories that he was used in were like are very very popular stories
0: and just, just really quick count don't 103, play that 104, for a 103, 104, 110, 111. We'll count each of those as one story, so that's two stories. Um, a Spectacular Spider Man Issue, that's three. Team Up is number four. Uh, and one, two, three, three other appearances in Spider Man after that before he dies in in, la- in Last Hunt. So we have a half dozen Craven stories between now and Craven's Last Hunt. That's it. That's all.
2: Wow, so like like
0: six? Yeah. Huh. He shows up in some other books, but not very often. I mean, seriously, he is a very unused character between now and when he does the big death. No, no matter, he wanted to kill himself.
2: <laughs> Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me.
0: <laughs> Gotta go. Come on to the bridge. I had to do it. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about with this story? Uh... That may be it. Okay. The house had for this issue has Marvel Collector's Item Classics 9, which reprints stories from the Fantastic Four, Iron Man from Tales of Suspense, Doctor Strange from Strange Tales, and The Watcher from Tales of Suspense, and The Incredible Hulk. Also up this month is Fantasy Masterpieces from the Golden Age of Marvel. Reprinting the famous Human Torch Submariner Battle from Marvel Mystery Comics 9. The first story to use a shared universe between any of Marvel's characters, although not the first to do it for any company. Because I found out recently that the company that would become Archie Comics, they had those superheroes uh, that uh, were used in DC's Impact line and Red Circle line in the last few years in the early 90s. The S.H.I.E.L.D. And the wizard shared some stories before this uh, issue was done.
3: But anyway. Yeah, but they don't don't count. We don't care about them. We don't care (laughs) about them.
0: Just saying, it exists. Um, There's also in that issue a Captain America story from Captain America Comics 7 that you can hear all about on an upcoming episode of The Mighty Shield. And three more supposedly Golden Age stories that are actually from the early 1960s. One of them is actually the backup story to an issue of Journey into Mystery that had Thor as the main feature. So that's really not golden age at all. The Marvel bullpen bulletins has dazzling data, dizzy dispatches, and dangerous declarations of rather dubious distinction. Okay, oh. okay, okay. Stan, you, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and no issue with this. Therein resides the first tidbits about the new round of king sized specials coming in the summer, which of course includes Spider Man, but also Millie the Model, the first such special issues for Sgt. Fury, Daredevil, and the Avengers, as well as the Fantastic Four. The monthly checklist is also back because the people at the printing office, the mailroom, and other places in the building all cried foul before the chance for reader response ever came through when they took it out last issue. But the big point of this bulletin bulletin page is that it features the debut of Stan's Soapbox, which Mm. is a mini-column he writes personally to the readers. Sometimes he talks philosophy, but a lot of times he just likes to hype new product. And this month's batch of Marvel books features the first installment of that column. Uh, In The Spider's Web... Chris Barth complains about Peter's new pad and wants him back on May's apron strings. No, no, he really does. That's really what he says. Lee Ruff pins them down on the logic problem of a sliding timeline to which Stan basically says, deal with it, kid. And Gary Whitlock says that if they're going to bring Spidey to TV like they say they are, then it better be better than the superhero kids show they're
3: doing now. (laughs) it's hard to disagree yes it was lasted more seasons it's a hit (laughs) and it's been canceled but it's a hit
2: (laughs) with classes like dr nobody and that giant robot that scared me as a child
0: (laughs) but one letter i have to read in its entirety it's kind of short here but i gotta read this dear stan and john since playboy Recently presented an excellent satire of Captain America and mentioned the Human Torch and the Submariner in the process. I think it is only fair that you show your appreciation by publishing a centerfold illustration of gorgeous Gwen or Mary Jane Watson. What <laughs> he says? Okay, okay, I know you Stan would stand up.
3: That <laughs>
0: I know you would drive the human race wild if you did, but I can dream, can't I?
2: Okay, now actually, now that I think about it. And John Romita Sr.'s uh, the, the book of interviews that I have, he 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 does have a couple of like 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 art illustrations where he has like several Gwen and MJ centerfold. Like they're not naked, but like they're like you know in bikinis and stuff, and like they've not been printed for comics, so they could have they could have responded,
0: hey, pass that shit over. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that and that letter just 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 to prove it is from PFC Bruce Long, and he gives his serial number. Which I I wouldn't have done. Bruce Long, is that that, that like a real name? Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I don't know. He has a serial number here. It can be looked up. And Stan's response is, "Gee, Bruce, we're sorry to report that we don't have a single fold-out pic of Gwen or MJ anywhere in the bullpen. But tell you what, do you think our frantic ones would enjoy a photo of Jolly Jonah as a baby? (laughs) We bet he'd cause a real sensation on a bear rug, sucking his thumb with a little ribbon in his hair. Oh God. <laughs> Especially if we added that nutty mustache of his just for kicks. Mama! Mama!
3: Parker! Give me my model! Miss Brent! Betty would be his. Betty would be his secretary. It sounds like a Silver Age Superman story. Like, like on the cover, it's like Betty, like Ned, and like Peter. Like, oh my gosh, Mister Jameson's been changed into the baby, but the board of directors is on their way. What are we gonna do?
2: You know what? Betty Brand would be like like the nanny character from like Muppet Babies. Like we would we would never see her. we be like, Ooh, time for your, time for nap,
3: little Jameson. Ah, oh, Miss Ms. Brandt, give me my blanket.
0: <laughs> so next-ish, to put it bluntly, the next Spidey Spectacular you are about to gape at is possibly one of the most unusual, most dramatic, most unexpected yarns of the year. You'll be seeing a somewhat far-out new twist, but that's only part of the excitement. The thing that'll really grab you is the momentous decision which Peter Parker has to make. It's the type of thriller that only Marvel could do, should do, or would do. If we tell you any more now, it'll spoil some of the scintillating surprises in store for you. So let's just let it go with a reminder to latch on to Spider-Man number 50. With half a hundred great issues under our belts, we've got one of the most magnificent of all coming up. So until Aunt May gives up her job as a go-go dancer at the Silver Spoon, hang loose, hero. The fun's just beginning.
3: Uh, You're really going to get Steve for that episode? You're gonna get Steve for that episode.
0: I I've already talked to him. I I do believe that Steve is going to be here for next episode.
3: You're here, folks. So if you want,
2: if there's any episode to uh, listen to of made Spider-Man Classics, the one with Steve, the Steve, is the one to listen to. So be here or
3: be there or be square. In your case, it'll must be easier to be there. Ha 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 ha.
2: Oh, my dear. Ready for the end? My <laughs> pretty. I have no
3: idea why. <laughs> <laughs> That's want to do voices for the rest of the show. Wilson like, like, Fisk, what is the meaning of this? One might say that I've gone into the business of family reunions. How long you get to enjoy each other's company is entirely up to you. Felicia Hardy, I'd like to introduce you to... Your father. (laughs) Nice
0: okay so next uh uh, between now and next time if you want to write to the show you can do so at amazing spider-man classics at gmail.com we will read your thoughts on the air and respond to them you can also talk to us at facebook.com slash amazing spider-man classics after you like the page there's also a link to that page at the show's website amazingspiderman.libson.com where you can download and comment on episodes old and new Episodes are also posted at spidermancrawlspace.com, which allows for comments as well. The most popular way to procure new episodes, however, is to go through iTunes. There you can subscribe to the show and pull down any episode you like. We would love it if you iTunes users would also take the time to leave a review to tell other iTunes users all about your favorite podcast for classic Spidey goodness. So until next time, I am John Wilson.
3: And don't forget Robin. And I am Joshua
0: lepin and thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Good night. I hope you enjoyed this lost episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Josh and Don and I had a great time taking a look at Amazing Spider-Man issue 49. I hope you enjoyed the journey. The next two episodes will be joined by special guest Steven Lacey to take a look at issues 50 through 52. Then I will do a special episode by myself where I go through the email bag, reading all of your missives that you wrote over the years, asking questions about Spider-Man, that sort of thing. And then brand new episodes of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. But as I said at the beginning of the show, there will be a bit of a change. Because I'll be having a new panel working with me, or rather a new special co-host, because my new partner in my journey... Through classic Spider Man stories, will be none other than Podcasting Extraordinaire and my very good friend, Michael Bailey. He and I are working busily on getting episodes ready for you, and those will be coming out after we go through all of these. So until then, do please continue to enjoy these lost episodes. And my name is John Wilson, and I always appreciate you listening to amazing Spider Man classics. Good night.
1: He's strong. Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can you swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a Spider Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider Man, Spider Man, friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Welcome, fame, he's ignored is his reward to him Life is a great big bang Wherever there's a hang You'll find the Spider-Man